Hey guys, welcome to Not Just a Hashtag Podcast, presented by Trees of Hope. I'm your host, Nicole Escobar. On this podcast, we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse, its realities, and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives. We share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored. While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words, and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Hey guys, we're back and we are on the second part of Back to the Basics. And so last time we talked, we were talking about, um, we gave the, not the official definition of sexual abuse, but we gave like a general, very, very brief overview of the definition of sexual abuse. We wanted to spend a tad bit more time on that and then talk about some of the effects that someone who has experienced sexual abuse may have. So Kristen, I know you mentioned that there was a definition that you wanted to share. So go ahead and give that. And then I'm going to give the Trees of Hope Prevention Workshop full definition, which is is a bit longer. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's really good that we break that down and, um, you know, give that more information. We just want to be as clear as possible when, especially the fact that we're talking about something so heavy and so serious. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just want to be as clear as possible. So we're hoping that these things, the, what we're going to share today, you know, is helpful to you and, and informative. Yeah. Um, so this is really, this is from Dan Allender, Dr. Dan Allender, his book, The Wounded Heart. Um, it's any contact or interaction, visual, verbal, or psychological between a child, adolescent, and an adult when the child or adolescent is being used for the sexual stimulation of the perpetrator or any other person. Yeah. The reason why I like that actually a lot is the word used is being used, the verbiage, because what that is basically saying is it's not um, consensual. It's not like I'm not standing there going, yes, do this to me. They're using that person. They're using their body. They're using visually or emotionally or verbally them for their own sexual pleasure or a lot of power and control over them. Uh, Yeah. That's a big part of all that too. Exactly. And I know you're going to get into this, but I mean, and we're talking about, and we're talking about kids, especially like they can't, there's, there is no such thing as a consent with a child. No, it's, that's not even, it's just not even a possibility in any way, shape or form. No. And why? I mean, you would be able to speak more into this and I'm just going to say my own thoughts, which are, it's because kids are not mature enough to understand the gravity of sexual things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, um, yeah, exactly that. And and the other part of it is we're talking about an adult. So there's immediate, an adult and a child, there is an immediate power dynamic. So that is power over another person. There is, there's in no realm of possibility can consult can consent occur when we're talking about anything sexual between an adult and a child a child cannot give consent there's mm-hmm. a power dynamic that adult has um because they are or an adult has the ultimate responsibility 
um, and you know, in that situation to make sure that they do nothing to um, harm a child. Victimize a child. Victimize. I like to yeah. use that word because mm-hmm. the truth yep. is, is that that child yep. has no say. They're, I mean, even if they think they do, because they think they're grown up for whatever reason, maybe this person has made them believe or think that they're grown up and they can make decisions like that. Because I've heard, I've heard uh, girls who've gone through our program or women actually, and when they were being sexually abused by their dad or their brother or whatever, um, the dad or the brother would say language like, you'll thank me later, or um, I'm maturing you, or I'm helping you become a woman. And those types of things are, you know, it's sick. It's demented. It's not, it's not right, obviously, like, hello, but but no, you're not helping me become a woman. You're not, you're actually hurting me. You're actually making it worse for me. And you're, and you're tainting everything that my future will hold when it comes to sexual things. And that's what we're going to talk about. Like we said, about how the effects that sexual abuse can have on a person and, and what they end up doing with what's happened to them. Yep. So let's look at, you know, we do, I've, I've mentioned this before on this podcast, but we do prevention workshops. We do them recorded and then we also can do them at any building or any location. Uh, we've had, we do them at churches. We do them at mommy's groups or um, businesses. I mean, we've done them anywhere, you know, even um, we've done them at a bar. We've done them we've, as long as the space is, is rented. Um, and, but we've done it at a huge church and thousands of people have been there. So um, you know, if you're somebody who's interested in that type of thing and teaching um, people that maybe you're over or that you're involved in a group or whatever about how do we protect children from sexual abuse, please contact us. But this is one of the way, though, this is one of the things that we teach, which is what is the definition of sexual abuse? And so the basic definition is that sexual assault or abuse is forcing another person into a sexual act against their will. So it can be anything like verbal, visual, or physical to meet another person's sexual needs and desires or wants, really. Um, So it does not only happen between an adult and a child, although predominantly it does because of that power dynamic that you talked about, but it does happen between two adults, an adult and a teen, um, a teen and a teen, a teen and a child, or between two children. The the thing to look at with that is that, you know, um, because a lot of times I hear, well, it, it well, isn't that experimental when two kids are when it happens with two kids? Well, if one of them didn't consent to anything, then yes, it's not, it's sexual abuse. It's sexual abuse. But in addition to that is what's the power dynamic between those two kids, right? So for an example, a lot of times you're going to, you'll see a bully type kid force another uh, vulnerable kid into doing sexual, doing something sexually they didn't want to do. And, you know, I do go back to, okay, Kids don't naturally, especially if they haven't been exposed to anything, 
they don't naturally go to exploiting other children or victimizing other children. I mean, it's just not in their like uh, wheelhouse or their knowledge base to just grab at that unless something like that is either happening in their home or they're watching pornography. Yeah, it's true because the the primary way, especially the kids learn is really by modeling. That's why they, you know, they mimic the behaviors they've seen. Um, And so, yeah, when you see things like that happening, it's, it's, it's not a guarantee, but it's very, 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 very likely that something has happened to that child to then try to do that with another child. Yeah. Exactly. Something has happened that doesn't come out of nowhere. No, it doesn't. And because um, children, you know, if we keep them innocent and we keep them children and we appropriately um, introduce uh, things to them at the appropriate age, there should be a natural um, transgression from, you know, like, I mean, we could get into the inappropriate and appropriate touch, but there should be a natural transgression of like, okay, um, a little boy, let's just use them for an example. For transition, right? A transition, transition, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just saying, like if a little boy is um if he touches touches his genitalia, right? That's not sexual abuse. But if he starts touching a nut my okay, so let's say both of my sons, one of them starts touching the other one's genitalia, something's off there. So you want to look into it and you and it doesn't mean I'm sexually abusing him or my husband is or anything, but you want to look into why is that happening? Is it a joke or is it a, is it a one time it happened only a few times or, you know, and then if there's like, okay, there he's um doing it as a joke and doing it to be cute. Okay. We nip that in the bud, but if there's um actual stimulation so that is a big, right. huge red flag. And you want to Absolutely. start looking into that because somewhere. Yeah. that is not a not normal transition for a child in, exactly. into, but it is very much a normal child thing for a little boy to be um, having an erection. Sorry, yeah. but it does happen Absolutely. even at six yeah. months, seven Biological. months, eight months. Yeah. So those things, I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to naturally flow with my children and see, okay, nothing is alarming here. But again, if a child starts doing um, sexual behaviors on other children, that is a red flag. That is not experimental. Right. Um, and and one thing to also look at is how they play with toys and yeah, how um, other, yeah, because my one son it, um, always grabs, always wants to kiss everything. So he's always grabbing because I do that because that's how I integrated um, the dogs and the cats in our home. So every time I bring him a new toy, I go, oh, love his little toy. So he grabs it every time and he goes, hmm. And I'm like, okay, so now it's, I have, it's like every time I get a new book, it takes me like an hour to go through the book because he's giving everyone a kiss. I'm like, okay, let's wrap it up, buddy. But at the same time, that's very sweet and cute, right? Sure. Sure. But now if he starts holding a kid down and forcing him to kiss with his tongue, something is not right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. And, you know, just um, a quick note on this. If you were to see something like that as a parent, any of us, right, were to see something like that as a parent, I, we want to encourage you to just proceed very gently 
Mm-hmm. you know, and cautiously and maybe even consider talking with a professional, you know, about this as you explore this, um, because what we don't want it, what you wouldn't want to do is, um, interrogate a child, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Or shame them. Exactly. Because that is not, and particularly if what we end up, we end up finding out, right. You know, finding out is that they have somehow been sexually abused. Mm-hmm. So you want to be gentle, curious, right. And, and seek out help. As you, yeah. as you need it from like, you know, people who have been trained to help out with this, you yeah. know, it's child therapist and, and so forth. So you don't have to go it alone, but just, you know, be gentle. Cause it can be so scary, right. It can trigger all kinds of things in the adults listening that are parents. Right. And especially if you have any history of sexual abuse in your background, and you see something like that in one of your children, um, it can be very scary, very startling. And you want information like a story as soon as possible. Right. So proceed slow down caution. and breathe. But yeah, also yeah. don't not proceed. No, you're afraid. <laughs> That's not what we're saying. Yeah. No, but but just gently is my yeah. our encouragement to you. That's all. For sure. Um, okay, so um I meant to also add that it can also happen um incestually in a dating relationship and even sometimes in a marriage. Um, so sexual abuse often begins with non-contact types of abuse that invade the the person's emotional and physical psychological boundaries and so the abuser will make any attempt to cross the physical boundaries you know um and that's usually and we we call that the grooming process um but and that usually um there's been many boundaries that have been crossed before that physical boundary has been crossed And so um, most sexual abuse does not involve intercourse or force. Sometimes a person will hear the term sexual assault and immediately think that the person was raped. And that's just not the case. Force doesn't always refer to physical pressure. Someone may use emotional coercion, psychological force or manipulation to pressure and threaten a victim. And someone will use threats to force a victim to comply, such as threatening or to hurt the victim or their family or other intimidation tactics. So that, you know, when you hear that, does that resonate with you in any way of like, hey, that was my story. And that is, that's why sexual abuse happens. The stranger danger is seven, only 7% of the sexual abuse cases. And the 93% is the family, the someone the child knows, loves, and trusts, because why? It's so much greater than just a sexual assault that happens. It's manipulative. It's it's a mental game. It's a power game. It's a control game to oftentimes these perpetrators who who actually act upon their their, you know, their um their thoughts of violation. Um, but I do want to give you guys some physical, um, some physical ones that, you know, that are, that are common, but just want to like over- symptoms you're saying? Yeah, or- um, examples of sexual abuse Yeah, physical. and then I'm going to give you visual and verbal real fast. Um, okay. but the physical ones are touching fondling without consent, excessive tickling or physical restraint without consent. But also when, when we talk about that word consent, we're saying like, Hey, a little tick. No, actually, no, no one should touch you period. If you don't want them to touch you. But, um, let's say you were like, Oh, it's okay. Like, haha, it's okay. Yeah. Or you don't even have to say that. But the minute you're like, Hey, stop, 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 stop. That's when it's instantly like, okay, you're crossing a line. 
right? French yeah. kissing or teen, a French kissing a teen or a child. So there should be really no reason why that should be happening on a, a an adult and a child. But again, two children, and let's say one of the children is like, I don't want this to be happening. It's mm. sexual abuse or assault. Intercourse, oral sex, or sodomy with a teen or a child. Again, you know, adults should never be doing that with any type of child, but a, but also a child should never be doing these acts on another child. Um, does not does not have to involve private parts. It can also involve an object going in someone's mouth, vagina, or anus, or bottom line, just touching someone sexually anywhere on their body without consent. I may have given this example at another uh, episode, but I'm just going to circle back to it, which is I remember being at church one time and a man who I did not know at all, I had my shoe was off and I just basically had one shoe on and one shoe off and I had my legs crossed. Well, he came up to me and tickled the bottom of my foot and kept walking. So was I sexually assaulted that day? Uh um, I was in, in technical terms. Yes. Because I didn't give this guy, t- I mean, was he looking at me sexually? I have no idea, but the point is, is that he had no right to touch me because I didn't consent to him touching me. So it's a big deal. That consent portion of this is a very, very big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then the visual ones is exposing a child to pornography, exposing exposure to of pornography to an adult without consent. Um, there's been many times where people have walked up to my husband. I, I remember specifically a guy walked up to him at a bar and he showed him, he goes, oh, dude, check this out. And it was bestiality. And my husband went to the bathroom and I remember him coming back and he was like, I'm not okay. Like this guy just showed me and I I almost freaking killed the guy. I was like, my husband's eye should never have seen that. That was wrong. And he needed a moment. But the point is, is that he didn't ask, hey, can I show you this? This is what it's yeah. going to be. And, you know. So that's another, by the way, power and control, because he's basically saying, I exert, um, I exhort power over you because I'm showing you something that you have no no control to say no to. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just Um, up on the screen and put in, put in front of your face. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wrong. It's horrible. Um, and, and then exposure to genitals, uh, genitalias or not to a non-consenting party. And this is like, you know, a flasher or anything like that. Um, yeah. I would also bring it to another, or actually I'm going to the verbal portion of this, which is like whistles or cat calls, making sexual sounds or noise noises, um, issuing sexual remarks or saying things sexually. Like that's where that sexual harassment comes in at work and things like that using obscene or offensive language, telling inappropriate sexual jokes or innuendos, or just in general, adults telling children, and I would say anyone, about their sexual preferences or desires. That's It's unnecessary, it's not okay, and it should never be happening, especially yeah. to our children. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, those are, you know, those are the trees of hopes kind of overview of, um, I mean, detailed, but overview of what sexual abuse is. And I think, you know, 
it it's like okay this is this is serious like this is a big deal and that's why we say when you've gone through sexual abuse or when you've experienced something like this it takes something from you and that's where we're going to lead into now right which is yeah, how does yeah. sexual abuse affect us yeah. Yeah. And I think before, just a quick thing before we like switch gears with that too, Nicole, this is on the Trees of Hope website, all of what yeah. you just Um, Yes. So it's in our, it's kind of, it's our online portal, but what you would do is you would go to treesofhope.org and then you would go to prevention education and scroll down. And when you're scrolling down, you have two options. You have the first option to schedule a prevention workshop where we can come to you and do one or you can watch the online one that we've recorded together. Me and Holly Friggin, who is one of our mental health counselors, uh, prevention mental health counselors. Um, I, my recommendation is is if you are not a, like a decision maker, watch that that online one because it's two hours of just nuggets of information. But let's That's say excellent. you're not a visual learner or not a, a verbal learner and you'd rather read go ahead and order our rise magazine. It has uh, 48 pages of so much good stuff on how to prevent sexual abuse from happening in your children's life. Yeah. That's just incredible. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was really important to point that out. So it's not just here on the podcast. That's why, you know, trees of hope is obviously a resource for all of this. And yeah. And I think so switching gears, you know, listen, reality wise and time wise limitation, right. We're probably just going to get to just a little bit of this today. And we're just going to continue this conversation going forward because we want to make sure again, that we're just covering, um, all these things and giving, um, you know, informing you well. So some of the things that, that you end up seeing right like we're going to talk about you know some of the the end result of what you end up seeing in a person and really at this point we're talking about although some of this may crisscross for children this is more adults like what do we see when someone who has experienced sexual abuse right um the first thing here is like a distorted potentially a distorted view of sex Mm. things we talk about by the way here this may not be everyone Mm -hmm. okay so you be sitting there and saying I experienced sexual abuse, but I don't have that. That's okay. This is, this is, we're not, this is not a definitive list. Plus we're not going to be able to cover everything, every possible way it, it may mm-hmm. have affected you. Yeah. These are just some of the ones we see commonly, but it could be a whole lot more. And for you, it may be, le- it may be less. So distorted view of sex, right? Um, what does that mean? I think that when we say that, because, you know, particularly when, well, in any sexual abuse, whether it's at, you experience that as an adult or as a child, but I think particularly as a child, when you experience sexual abuse, there's some, there's like you had referenced already, Nicole, like that idea of like this innocence that was stolen, like um, a win in a, in a sense, a window that was open too early, a, a light switch that was turned on too early. And then it was also done, obviously, because it was abuse. It was done in a distorted way because sex is not for children. Sex is, a, is an, you know, is something that is supposed to be done in a consenting adult relationship. And so when something like this happens, when in a child, then there is a distortion already that occurs there. Does that make sense? Because it's out of con- the proper context. Oh yeah. It's not what it was. It's not what it was created for. So a distortion begins from there, right? So 
what you could then see, you know, for someone who's experienced, especially childhood sexual abuse is that, you know, you may see someone then be, end up being overly promiscuous or very rigid, right. Mm-hmm. In their view of sex. And so withdrawn, right. And, and separated out, they may think they are powerless and get themselves into multiple situations where they are taken advantage of and they're not mm-hmm. giving consent. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can go so many different ways because there is a distortion that has occurred because their experience was a distorted experience. Yeah, I I want to add, if you don't mind, right here is when we talk about that distortion, like I had mentioned the definition of what sexual abuse is, oftentimes there is that psychological boundary that gets crossed. So there's, and then there's that force and manipulation that goes along with it. So a lot of times what's happening in those moments is there's being a message that is being told to this person of maybe you are dirty, therefore you deserve this, or somehow you've done something, which is why this happened to you, or like you dressed a certain way and that, or like you, you, you got too drunk or, or even if you were a kid, like, um, I know a lot of times people, the, uh, perpetrators would say, well, you're a bad girl. You're a, and daddy need, and I, it's like even sick, just even repeating it. And dad needs to reprimand you. And this is how I do it. But meanwhile, you're a good girl or or a good boy. Um, and then daddy's really loving and sweet with you. And he takes you out for ice cream and does, you know, it's a sick thing. So my point, it's it's distorted. (laughs) And, And so that's, there's so much involved in it. So many layers, so many layers. And so this person who has gone through those things, even if this person, even if like for me, the guy never said dilly squat to me, but it was the messages that I left there with instantly that I never had before. And I didn't know how to, um, push them away and change the course because I was six, like, hello, I was dealing with like Barbie dolls. Um, and making sure Ken and Barbie were doing like, you know, driving in their car. I'm not over here teaching myself now, like, okay, shame message comes in and now how do you, right? So now all of a sudden I have a sense of shame or some, my body um, was exposed in a way that I never had done before. And now I have this shame over my body for the beautiful creation that it is, but somebody violated that beauty, that beautiful creation and now has distorted what God intended to be a life, you know, a young childhood of growing and maturing and seeing yourself as a beautiful, blossoming, changing, evolving woman into, you know, and then taking that beauty and that womanhood and going into a marriage and going, take me away, you know, like, you know, the song of Solomon, like, like to do whatever you want with my body. No, that's not how it goes. It goes, you know, you either go, and I know this for me, because if my husband was here, he would talk about it. You know, in the beginning of our marriage, I was like, freaky deaky, but then now I'm like rigid and, and I don't know what it is, what, you know, I, I know it's, I know it is a struggle from which my sexual abuse affected me. 
and how I coped all of the years, which just compounded the situation. Oh yeah. Right. It's absolutely. And that's the thing, because again, somehow with that distortion of what happened because of the sexual abuse, then some love, some level of distortion likely continues in that area of your life and your being, you know? And so, yeah, so there we go. So it can, and thank you for sharing too, Nicole, right? Because this can look so many different ways based on what, you know, each person's story is too. Yeah. Like I was saying, and, and sometimes we, um, you know, continue to do, you know, certain things, um, because sometimes too, we're trying to work something out in that, you know, like if I continue to, like some people I know have, you know, experienced sexual abuse and they continue to put themselves in negative or abusive situations again and again, right? Because they're almost, and then they're trying to flip the story around and like have it end differently because they're trying to work out what originally happened to them. So any which way, just again, one of the effects that we see a lot of times is a distorted view, a distorted view of sex because you had a first experience that was distorted itself. Yeah. Also on that note, when you mentioned, um, girl, uh, women, it's a lot of times it's women, but men do this too, where they sort of, um, set themselves up for failure right? That's kind of what you're saying in essence, or they get themselves in situations where, um, and they're bad situations. Usually they're never healthy and like life-giving and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I say that because, um, these, a lot, a lot of times the message that we received, the lie that we believed whenever the sexual abuse started told us again, that I'm bad. Therefore I deserve bad. Or yes. I'm shameful, therefore I deserve shameful, shameful things. Yes. So we tend to live in what we think we believe, like when we what we narrate to ourselves, we we live in, in distortions. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Like think about it, right? In these distortions, or even with someone who was told that they were this was a way in which this adult was showing love to them, right? Because then there's that whole other like if we want to do a whole different scenario, this is a way in which you show a child love again, completely distorted, completely disturbing, perverse, mm-hmm. you know, and then, so that person then carries that with them. Oh, if I'm abused and I feel disempowered and I, there's no consent, then this is how I, I this is how love is shown. Like think of how, right. again, distorted, confusing the whole thing. I think we get the point. There's so many different ways that, you know, in which this can look. Um, so another thing that we sometimes see, of course, is PTSD, right? And so, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so everyone that has sexual abuse doesn't necessarily have PTSD, how we, how we identify and, um, diagnose PTSD is really the severity of the symptoms. So these are flashbacks and hypervigilance and nightmares and all, you know, those types of things that are happening um, to someone. And again, that severity of symptoms to where it's interrupting their daily functioning and it's prolonged and it's on, uh, you know, ongoing and so forth. So everyone that has a trauma doesn't necessarily have PTSD, but some people totally do. Um, And so this is, of course, another thing that can happen um, as a result of experiencing sexual abuse is having post-traumatic stress disorder. And let's say you don't even have a diagnosis of PTSD. There is absolutely 
trauma that has occurred because Mm -hmm. sexual abuse is traumatic. So even if you don't have PTSD, that doesn't mean you don't have trauma. That is a traumatic experience. That is a, um, that is a, an absolute violation of your personhood, right? Any sexual abuse. And so there, therefore there is trauma. Um, so PTSD, again, we, you know, as we kind of come to an end for today, right. Um, another thing I just kind of want to put out there, um, too, but as we kind of wrap up is another thing that we can see sometimes is denial, right. Or even minimization, which, We'll probably dive into, you know, I think more next time because you and I have talked about this before, right? That it's such a common thing to have happen when we're talking about someone who's experienced sexual abuse or assault, um, that denial that like, oh, nothing ever happened, you know, or the minimization of it wasn't that bad. No, it didn't affect me that much. I'm okay. You know, that was just something that, that was just something that, oh, it happened so long ago. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't that bad. Oh, it wasn't this this didn't happen. It didn't go all the way to this point. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that bad. So-and-so it had this happen and my story isn't like that. So it's right. not that bad. You know, it's the, that denial or minimization is something so typical too. And again, I think the re well, I think the reason that a lot of people do this as survivors of sexual abuse, um, is really survival. You know, if we can deny that this something happened to us, that something terrible happened to us, or we can minimize it, it it can maybe soften the blow a little bit. It helps us survive it. Because sometimes when we sit down with the full picture and the full realization of how this significant thing that happened to us, it's just overwhelming. Yeah, I personally, as a denier, as a, um, as a past denier, it was if I had acknowledged what had happened to the, okay, there's two parts to this. So I was the one who was like, well, I wasn't raped. So that's not that big of a deal. Like, I don't want to make a bigger deal about it. So if I had, if by minimizing it, what I was basically doing is saying, um, I'm not a weakling. I'm not a little baby. Like, because the world wants to say like like we even though they don't say it just like this which is toughen up like stop being a wussy like just right like you're oh my gosh you're so emotional like oh my gosh you're making such a big deal out about this but the truth is is that if I look at it as it really is which is a crime was committed against me and as a five-year-old my innocence was taken from me and as now a mom I'm like make a big deal about that because that's a very big deal. Like we need to preserve little kids innocence. Um, but having that, so there was that, right. And, and I didn't want to look like a weakling, like a weak uh, person saying like, this was such a big deal. This really affected me. Um, so there's that, then there's on the other side of like, well, I didn't want to look like a weakling also of categorizing you know, my journey of like minimizing helped me stay, um, a false strength. It gave me a false strength. Sure. Yeah. And denying it also gave me a false strength. And I felt comfortable in that. But when I was able to, it stunted me, it stunted my growth. And I will say, this is a tendency I see a lot in the Christian world. And so if you are a Christian, like, listen up, 
because you can be a Christian in leadership um, who is doing all the good things for the Lord and still have major denial. And your denial may look a little different. It may not look like, um, it may look more like, well, I've already handed that over to God. I've prayed through it. I've healed um, Mm -hmm. because I became a Christian. And although those things are true, you did. But if you have not dealt with your thing, your sexual abuse, if you have not spent the hard time self-reflecting on how it affected you, or if you just went straight to the forgiveness part, I really, really, I wonder if it's true forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've had many, many girls come to me and Mariah, who used to be on the podcast and she will talk about this. She went straight to the forgiveness part and didn't do the hard work on the other portions and then felt like, no, I need to do the hard work on the other portions because the other areas were so affected and I just jumped to forgiveness. And that actually made me feel like, which it I've done it too, which is like, I'm almost ashamed that I went there so fast. Like, yeah, sure. why couldn't I look inward? Why couldn't I take the time to see how this truly affected me? Because I was, because, um, because taking an inward look is hard. Exactly. And it hurts. Yeah. Very painful, hard. Absolutely. And also not just looking inward, but looking outward at like, okay, if you were sexually abused as a child, why didn't my parents protect me? What was going on here? And then, you know, not only what was going on here, but like who all was involved and what was the toxicity in my family and what is the dysfunction in my family? And was my family open and communicative? I mean, it really, really, it could go so down layers. so many layers. And so, oh my gosh, yes, Nicole, so <laughs> many layers. Yeah, yeah. I yes. get it. When you deny and you minimize, I like want to hug you and say, I've been there, girl. I've been there, friends. Like, I know. It's just know. the one thing I will say as somebody who did that for many, many years is um, it's a crafted facade that you can't, keep in line for very, very long. Yeah. And, um, until I was able to truly humble myself, because that's really what it boils down to is, is humility and saying, I'm willing to take the hard work, work, look inward. And as a Christian, I believe that God will, um, walk you, hold, hold you and not only walk you, hold you in the palm of his hand while he's revealing all of this stuff. And he's such a gentleman. He goes at such a slow pace because I, like I've said, I'm, I've been on, I walked through healing when I was 30, I'm 41 now and new things are still even coming to me now. And, and, you know, God could have, if he wanted to, he could have just broke the layers, uh, broke the, um, mess or the, the blinds off of all of it and just showed it to me said, okay, is this really what you want? Is this your real prayer? Well, here it is, but that's not who God is. He's a gentle gentleman and goes very slow and, um, reveals things in due time. And because he knows you fully and completely, he will never show you too much that you can't handle. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, on that note too, I think that he shows us where we are injured 
so that we can then come back to him and say, I need healing. That is what I have seen over and over and over again. And in all the work that I've done with people is I really feel like the Lord is so gracious to us. He shows us where we're injured and we choose if we want the healing. He does not force healing upon us. Um, And we see that, you know, in the stories in the New Testament too, right? Jesus would ask people, what do you want me to do for, for you? Right. You know, like he did not just come in and say like, just get ready. I'm healing you. Right. No, it wasn't that he wanted that. You've got to want that because, um, we have free will. He does not force anything upon us. He doesn't. And going and he, back, that's like consent. He's asked us for our consent. Absolutely. Even if it's, um, spirit consent, right? Like basically, yep. do you, do you want this? Yes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the thing is too, I know some people listening have maybe said, no, I don't. Right. And so God's not going to go too bad. Here it is. Exactly. Because healing actually does require work too. There's something, there's part, a part you have to do as well, which I know we'll unpack as well, but. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely break down this even more, um, next month and get deeper into it and, and talk more about, um, there's so many other, um, think there's so many other symptoms. I mean, I know at Trees of Hope, one of the books, the books that we use is Shelter from the Storm. But I mean, it's we talk about perfectionism, performance, a need for achievement, uh, repeated feeling of betrayal, a fear, a withdrawal, an anxiety or a sense of doom, uh, repeated victimization. We see this a lot in um, survivors, seductive behaviors, anger, depression, codependency or self-destruction behaviors. Um, but yeah, we obviously won't be able to get into all those next time, but we're going to just, this is going to be an ongoing conversation of, um, you know, how do we heal? How's it affected us? And just where do we go from here? Right. And so, um, we hope that where you go from here is you come again next time and just know that overcoming this is so possible. I, um, just a really quick story and I'll finish here, but, um, I, I, as most, I've shared this many times I've, um, was infertile for many, many years. And I ran into a girl yesterday who's been doing the IVF journey. And I just wanted to, I, she shared it with me and she's like, I've never shared that story before. And I was like, I don't know, God, I think just sometimes, um, has two people meet for a random reason. And then they talk about their life and, and, because I, I was holding my son in my hands. So I was able to say to her, you know, stay the course, you can do this. And, and she goes, I just wish science could tell me why I can't have a baby. And I said, science will never tell you that, but God will, it's God's timing. It's only God's timing. And so I say that back to you, which is God is the healer of your heart, your soul, and your spirit. Um, he's the only one that can heal this portion of your life. You can go to a counselor, you can go to a trees of hope healing group, but if you don't allow God, Jesus Christ into that place, you will, you won't heal. You may, you may heal the way the world heals, but you're not going to heal fully and completely. And you're not going to heal, um, that deeper part of your heart, um, that, you know, um, the only word I can think is like your soul or your spirit. You're not going to heal that spot unless you allow the great physician, which is a name of God to touch you there, uh, and to yep. heal you there. And yeah. 
I promise you overcoming is possible. You know, be willing to, to, to start the journey and, and, or continue the journey. And so the last thing I want to just leave you guys with is, um, if you are somebody who's listening and is like, oh my gosh, you know, where do I go from here? Trees of hope. And you're not, oh, I have also want to give a shout out to all the people in the last couple of weeks who have emailed me. I'm just like overwhelmed. And you guys all have said that I've said, please email me. I need those encouraging emails. I really do. And I'm so thankful for you. Um, but if you, sorry guys, I'm just, uh, just this is a heart of gratitude. Please know that I'm I'm an emotional person because now I'm I'm a mom and everything means the world to me. But um, when people email me, I always seem to get them at like a sad day or a day where I like you know I'm like should I be doing this? And and you guys just are blessing me so much. But I want to just encourage you to not stop there with the with these episodes. Go on to, to our online portal and walk the healing journey. It's at your own pace. You can do it at your own time. But if let's say you're not interested in that, seek a counselor. Um, Kristen's information's on our website. Please, please, Hope Christian Counseling. And also, um, if you do live in South Florida, please get into a healing group. We, or South Florida Satellite melbourne um and orlando so we have chapters all over florida now and i'm so thankful for what god is doing through our ministry you can find all that information at treesofhope.org okay so we love you guys thank you for listening and we will see you next time bye thanks again for listening to hear more messages like this one make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes Maybe even consider rating the podcast or share it with one of your friends. It really makes all the difference. For more content from Trees of Hope and to connect with us, go to treesofhope.org. We love you. Bye.